Chase is alive. He killed my friend, now he's coming for me. He's got a death curse. Jason's a legend. I'm Mrs. Ward, an old friend of the Christie's. Jason belongs to hell. You're doing if you stay here. Never come back again. You see, Jason was my son. And today is his birthday. Good evening, and welcome to another episode of Return to Camp Blood. I'm your host, Nathan Barker. Joining me tonight is my fellow counselor, Eric Walford. What's up, y'all? So for tonight's episode, we are doing a special feature, which is something that I've been discussing lately to try and mix things up a little bit in the Friday world. There are a lot of Friday the 13 fans out there, so I've decided to bring on people occasionally that work outside of the Friday business or hobby. And by that, I mean people from TV shows or other actors who just happen to be big Friday fans. That way we can hear some of their thoughts on our beloved franchise. So to kick off our first special guest, someone that our listeners who happen to be muscle car guys might recognize, former cast member on seasons one through four of the hit TV show Graveyard Cars. I'd like to welcome Josh Rose. How are you doing tonight, Josh? Salutations. I'm doing wonderful. How are you? I'm doing just fine. How's the weather out there in the lovely state of Oregon? Dude, you know, it's uh, typical Oregon weather, dumping buckets of rain for, I think this is what, like the third week straight now? Nice. I've seen that you've definitely gotten a lot of rain out there. I can feel for you on that. Yeah, oh, man, safe. it's all right. It's it's We get used to it. Oh, definitely. So just to kick things off a little bit, obviously you and I have talked prior, and I know your love for the Friday franchise, but just in general, what got you first interested in, in Friday movies? Well, you know, I was a curious young lad, and I'd always sneak out of bed when I was younger, whenever our parents would put us down, knowing that they had rented some movies that were inappropriate for us youngsters. And I believe I was probably about like uh, seven or eight at the time, and I remember kind of sneaking out of the bedroom and saw him watching a guy wearing a hockey mask. And he's like, wow, what is that? And kind of just standing there in the doorway and watching and watching. And then I saw the uh, the introduction of it, Friday the 13th. Wow, what's this? And then, you know, that kind of raised my curiosity even more. So, but of course, you know, the older I got, the more I started to get into it. And uh, episode, actually, I, I believe it was Friday the 13th. Uh, what was it? Number three, part three was the very first one that I saw. That's definitely a fan favorite, man. And, and as soon as you see it, to me, it was like, I'm hooked. You know what I mean? Kind of like crack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's one way to put it. Well, I hope you're not smoking crack, Eric. No, no, no yeah, crack. No to crack. To each their own, huh? <laughs> yes. Yes. To each their own. <laughs> so, Josh, I know you're in your 30s. So with that in mind, I'm sure you can probably remember the, you know, the VHS video store days. I'm sure that had some impact on, you know, developing your love for the franchise, too. Oh, absolutely. When you would go to the, the video store, it bothered me. I mean, because I was like looking and I would always get a Friday movie. And I'm like, why do they show a box with a mask that's never seen in the movie? Do you, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like you're kind of judging the VHS cover like you would a book. You know, you're going to judge it by its cover. Right. Not understanding it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, definitely. With all the different ones out there, you know, you have different masks compared to what you see in the films and different things that kind of throw you off a bit. So. I did love the VHS covers, don't get me wrong, but I wish they were a little bit more accurate to the actual what you've seen in the films. Yes. So just talking about Friday in general, I'll bring up our most recent uh, episode regarding 
Jenny Field from Friday the 13th Part 2. We discussed her being the basically the top final girl of the Friday franchise. And the reason I bring her up is she lives out your way. So yeah. I don't I don't know if you had a chance to listen to our last episode yet, but what are your thoughts on her? Like I said, just since she lives out your way and considering all that, what are your thoughts on her as the top final girl of the franchise? I think you well that's a that's a tough call to make, you know, but to be honest, man, I think you made a great choice. You know, she's very camera savvy. Um, you know, she's a very great actress. Um, you know, even with the fact that she lives out here, I'd like to make it out her way. And, and she's the one with the winery, correct? No, that's Adrian King. Oh, that who is, is the winery. King. Okay. I see. Sorry. I got both people mixed up there. Jenny is actually a psychotherapist. Excuse me. Amy Steele is actually a psychotherapist. Uh, it's a case where life imitated art. Right. And I do hear that she does live out, I believe, in Oregon. So I'm not sure how far she is, you know, from your area. But uh, speaking of Adrian, she does run Valley View Winery, which uh, I believe isn't too far from where you're at. Yeah, God, you know, and this is such a great place for winery here in uh, the northern California parts. And, you know, it's just there's just so much to choose from. But, um, yeah, I'd I'd love to make it out her way and, and check it out. Yeah, I definitely would, too, and I'm definitely going to make a trip out your way and have your ass drive me down there. <laughs> I oh, like that oh, one. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, you better bring Eric with you, too, man, because it'll, it'll be a great road trip. Oh, oh, I will be. I'll be right on his, his curtails. Yeah, Eric and I, we <laughs> we go all over hell, so if he's available, he can absolutely, you know, enjoy the ride. Yeah. Yeah, the summer times. The summer times here are incredible. It's not too hot, it's not cold, and it's the sunny for like four months straight. Yeah, I mean, outside of that goddamn rain, it sounds like you pretty much yeah. have awesome weather. Oh, yeah, man. You know, the rain is what makes it green in the summer. Definitely. And speaking of summertime, you and I have recently talked about you attending Texas Frightmare, which will be coming up basically right around the start of summer. So maybe you can chat a little bit about, you know, what's going to go on with that. Yeah. Um, so one of my buddies that I work with now at my current job, um, we both got the same amount of time off for our vacation. And my buddy Seth, he is a huge, huge horror movie buff. I'm talking just huge. So, you know, whenever we get a break in the day, him and I will just sit and converse and bullshit amongst one another. Oh, hey, man, have you seen this movie? Have you saw that movie? And, you know, he's a huge Friday the 13th fan as well. And, uh, you know, we'll sit and BS about that stuff. And I've uh, talked to him about you guys and your podcast and everything, too. So he's going to be checking that out. And um, he asked me, he goes, hey, man, uh, would you be interested in going with me down to Texas for the Texas Frightmare? Well, you know, shit, man, I've never actually been to one of those horror movie conventions before. But, yeah, let's do it. Why not? And, uh, yeah, he keeps telling me, like, every single week, oh, man, did you see who they added? You know, this person's coming now, this person signed on, or this person backed out. So it's it's very interesting, and it's new to me, and it's something, you know, I think I'll stick for a long long time that i'm going to try to attend these things oh definitely you're going to have a blast i go to quite a few of them every year and it's nothing but a good time and the beauty of texas frightmare is actually you're going to be able to see one of our dear favorites on our show and that is deborah Voorhees. she's going to be making a rare appearance so you definitely got to stop by her table you know let her know that you've been on the show for our regard she is a wonderful human and we love you Deborah Sue that, yeah. 
That's incredible. I, and to be honest, I haven't even checked out uh, the list of people that are going to be there. And, you know, that's, that's a huge shock to me. So, yeah, definitely. I'll, uh, I'll probably be one of those super huge fanboys whenever I go over to see her. So I probably won't even be able to talk. I'll be in shock. Well, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. And she is a rare appearance. I think she's only done a couple other conventions ever. So if you collect wow. autographs or any memorabilia, any signed memorabilia, you definitely want to get her signature on that. Oh, that's cool. Oh, without a doubt. And she has been on the show. Like I said, she's one of our favorites. We love her to death, so you definitely have to, you know, make the reference and let her know that you were a recent guest. You know, tell her that you know tell her that you know me and you'll have an instant connection right there. Oh, that's great. And just to clarify for our listeners though, Josh will not have a table set up. He's just attending, you know, as a fan himself. But obviously if any of you, you know, recognize, you know, that manly beard that he's got going on, definitely, definitely, you know, stop him and say, Hey, I'll be going, I'll be going as a fanboy. That's yeah. Bottom line. So, well, I think there's a lot of muscle car guys that also like Friday. I mean, obviously look at, uh, you know, look at the charger that, you know, we see in, in the Friday, uh, in, in, uh, that Bob DeSimone is driving, you know? So oh, yeah. you, got, you got the Mopar connection with the Friday film. <laughs> yeah. That was a good choice of uh, automobiles. Absolutely. Mopar, no car, right? I'm right, man. Now, if only they would have driven a Mopar in part six instead of that Camaro. I mean, I don't know what the hell they oh. were thinking. Yeah, that, that was kind of hard to watch, but you know what? It, it, they still did good with it. Oh, they did wonderful. That Camaro was badass. The only way it could be better is if it were a Firebird with T-tops. I love that car, man. That's one of my favorite Friday vehicles is is the Camaro in that. You know what engines they put in. I don't. Yeah, I'd have to disagree with you guys because that, that is an awesome vehicle. Oh, yeah, no, just... that's, that's okay, Eric. I mean, it, Nathan, didn't you say that Eric was running a, a slight temperature? It, you may want to get him checked out a little bit now. I, I think he's running that, a fever. Yeah, I think he mentioned he was feeling a little ill earlier. Maybe he, uh, you know, has to go to the doctor and get that checked out. <laughs> no, like I said earlier, Eric, to each their own, buddy. And you know, the bow ties got to have enough, I guess, the sympathetic people to to like those automobiles, anyways. You know, because they they tend to lose a lot more. So that that's okay, man. <laughs> Yeah, I I take the hell completely. I mean, and truth be told, the best vehicle in Friday the 13th is bar none a blue CJ5. In my uh, in my opinion, what do you think? You know what, man, that's that's still a Mopar, so hell yeah, I can definitely get down on that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with the Jeeps. I'll have to agree with that, but you know, damn the Charger is just a, you know, a sweet-ass ride. I mean, that's got to be my favorite car out of the films, you know, no doubt. Oh, yeah. Or even, you know, the, the Volkswagen, the Bug. You know, I got down on that, too. That was, was pretty good. Oh, 100%, man. You don't, I mean, it's funny that that's the people's car and and how it was seemed to be a lot less, you know, like, Volkswagen's roots and I've heard of frames having millions of miles on them and just making it you can't go wrong oh yeah you know and all all cars aside man 
the the main reason why I really liked all the Friday the Thirteenth movies was because the amount of fucking gore and and boobs at a young age, you know, to see that stuff. And you know, if my parents even heard this now, they'd be like, yeah, what? It was different back when we were kids, you know, because you knew the fine line between. Oh, uh, what's fact and what's fiction, and you know, yeah, it would still give us nightmares at the end of the night. But at the same time, it's you, you got to see it at some point, you know, to to keep your sanity as you get older. And you know, I'm I'm glad that my parents introduced me to that stuff as a young age, so that I would have the respect that I have for it now, you know. And the horror movies that are coming out, I'm not going to say anything bad about, but they will never, ever equal up to what it was like back, and you know the 1930s all the way up to, God, what, the, the mid to late 80s. I mean, that that was just the, the best time for horror movies. And for Friday the 13th to come in the way it did, it's very important. It's like the pinnacle of, of horror. Oh, definitely. I mean, all the films, you know, I'll, I'll give credit where it's due. I'm, I'm a Nightmare on Elm Street fan as well. I love the Halloween films. You know, Texas Chainsaw is great. You know, the, the, the main slasher films, the big four, if you want to call it that. But practical effects, I mean, that's, you know, you can't, you can't beat that. You know, CGI is great and some of the things that they can do nowadays with the editing and the technology. But Tom Savini rules, plain and fucking simple. Yeah. Yeah, but I I agree with that 100%, man. And you know, like that was that was pure acting then. And to scare the shit out of us like it did back then was it, it meant that it showed that they they did a great job and they poured their heart and soul into directing that and acting to make sure that they got it right. And it was it was wonderful. I agree. And with that in mind, obviously you said you liked Friday the 13th Part 3. I have to agree. That's one of my favorites. I love 3. I love 6. Those are my top two original films. But besides that, who's your favorite Jason and why? Um, you know, I'm going to have to say, God, that is a tough, tough, tough call. And I'm going to have to say Kane Hodder. Really? Yeah. Kane did a great job. He he has his following. You know, my thing with so, Kane is... Are you talking about who? <laughs> if CJ was we on the show... love you, CJ. Yeah, we, we love you, CJ. <laughs> I'm just going to speak for you, my friend, and say Kane who? <laughs> yeah, that's and that's a tough call to make, man. You know, and it's like the older that I got, you started to notice the differences in, in all the, the Jason actors. And, you know, it's I don't know exactly why I would choose Kane... Um, it was probably because he was the very first person that I actually paid attention to as Jason, um, you know, and then this is going to sound bad. And then I kind of just started comparing his style compared to everybody else's. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I, I like the way that Kane played Jason. Yeah. And to each their own. I mean, there's really no wrong answer and obviously age has a little bit to do with it. It, you know, depends on when you started watching the films or what films you started watching. Like you said, you know, Kane was kind of the pinnacle for you at at that point in time. I mean, that's totally understandable. And I definitely would never knock Kane's portrayal. There's things I don't like about kind of each one of them. Well, not so much about the others, but my main thing that I've said before, and it's not even really that big of a deal, but we've kind of bantered and kind of gave each other shit over this on prior episodes, and that is the heavy breathing of zombie Jason. <laughs> yeah. I've so, got a new theory behind this, Nate, and I think the theory holds water. Me, myself, if something's going to 
provoke fear. It's not something that's dead that that freaks me out. It's something that's coming after me. I mean, regardless, I mean, I guess, I guess his breathing's arbitrary since he's just an unstoppable force. But I think that the breathing and why so many people love that is because that adds a human element, which for me, it, it provokes more fear. Does that make sense? Yeah, I can understand that, too. Like I said, I'm not necessarily knocking the portrayal in general. It's just something that when I see it and I view it, to me, the first thing that pops up in my head is, why is the zombie breathing like that? Because the reason I say that is because you don't ever see that in zombies in any other films. It's just one of those things to me that it just kind of throws it off a little bit. You're just kind of like thinking, you know, what the hell is going on with that? So, Josh, since Kane is your favorite Jason actor, which of his films is actually your favorite portrayal of Jason? No, that one, I'm going to have a hard time answering. I mean, for me personally, I love part seven. If I had to pick a favorite Kane film, it would definitely be part seven. Yeah. The Kane walking out of the lake in the beginning of the film. I mean, that's just fucking badass. There's no other way to describe that. So, (laughs) I mean, seven was just fucking brutal. I mean, all the kills in seven, we have the sleeping bag kill. And I mean, Christ, I think he uses every uh, available weapon, you know, between knives and brush cutters. And I mean, the list just keeps going on. He uses everything there is to kill people, you know, proving proving just exactly how much of an opportunist he actually is. So I got to go with that one for Kane. Josh, is, does your love for Friday? Now, you said that, I mean, at some point in time, me and previously Chris and uh, Lando, every, all of us have agreed that we, we started watching kind of because, one, it was seemed like we were doing something wrong and two we loved the blood and the boobs i'm telling you that seeing terry in a particular scene ruined a vcr and as i got older and started watching them and it can be fun is i mean is that where you're coming from oh yeah oh without a doubt yeah that's you know and especially being young and I could only watch it so much, you know, until we had to go to school or come home and do chores. And, you know, my parents knew exactly what we were watching, you know, and, and they would always tell us, all right, you guys, you, you know the fine lines between what's real and what's not real. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, we understand. And, you know, that led into the video games, the violent video games, you know, which back then really wasn't anything, but. You know, playing Friday the 13th on the NES was also the same way. It was it was still pretty bad for that time, but, you know, watching a set of boobs on VHS in front of my parents, I think was probably Man. as awkward as you could possibly get, you know, and then you <laughs> kind of just have to, okay, got to go to the bathroom, I'll be right back, you know, and kind of wait for that scene to, to go away, and... Uh, you get back, and then there's a whole gallon of blood being spilled, which was, all right, cool. But, yeah, I don't know, man. That's one thing that I dug about Kane's style was, yeah, they didn't lack on the blood. Or like you said, Nate, being able to utilize all the all those weapons and gadgets to <laughs> mutilate the poor teenagers. Yeah, and I mean, not that they didn't use other items, if you want to call them that, other tools, whatever, objects. 
they were used in other films, but you know, seven to me was just a good portrayal of a vast array of, you know, killing devices, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Yes. You make a good point. Uh, and my kid said this to me and uh, she started watching horror uh, when she was about nine. And, uh, and I love it for kids that they have goosebumps and, and such. I mean, we had like binicula when we were too young to re- watch a horror movie and that's how i presented it to my mom and dad when i first started watching it because they were concerned you know it's violent what i said we know it's art and it has merit in in the world and also speaking of john carl beekler eric and i had a, a chance to talk with him a little bit last september um i think it was yeah last september 11th it was the mask fest in Indianapolis that he appeared at. So we got to chat a little bit about Friday and I've met John, you know, a couple times prior, but we talked to him about being on the show and hopefully we can bring him on in the near future just so, you know, we can get a little bit more of the inside detail on, you know, some of the, uh, the blood and the guts, if you will. Yeah. And another thing with seven is it's just a goddamn shame that we can't get the original footage that was shot before the ratings board just chopped that movie all to fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. That's, you know, that's, that's one thing too, that I always loved was, uh, I quickly started subscribing to Fangoria magazine. Thanks to Friday the 13th, you know, and it was, it was always nice to see not, not only a lot of the other movies, um, being put into that magazine, but also too what you could expect out of the next Friday the 13th or little snippets of, uh, stuff that happened to the, in the previous Friday the 13th movies that, you know, you didn't really even pay attention to because at a young age, you're just watching for, like I said, the boobs and the blood like that. That was it. But you know, the older you got, you start to realize this dude's pissed off. Jason's mad about something. And then you start to piece the puzzle together. Like he's killing for a purpose. He's not just some fucking guy cruising around this lake, just looking for victims. Like there's a reason why he's doing it. Yeah, definitely. And, And that magazine was a great outlet for that. And just to back up a little bit, when you mentioned the video game, you know, the original video game, I know that you're a gamer now also that you've continued, you know, on playing video games. So I'm going to go ahead and just assume that you're going to be slashing on the new Friday the 13th video game when that comes out. Oh, my. Dude, you have no idea. Yeah, I'm I'm on YouTube constantly just looking at the the new edits and everything that they have and just awaiting its arrival. (laughs) So is, are you Xbox or PS? Um, you know, technically, I am. I like the both of them, but uh, currently, I'm a PlayStation Four. Like that's what my family and I all play. Awesome. Well, we will definitely have to link up. Oh yeah, yeah that that sounds awesome. And you know that I'm still a little not really sure how that that game is going to be portrayed. You know, like I. From what I've seen on YouTube, um, there's going to be five teens who are supposed to survive Jason. So, you know, is is it going to be an open environment where you're Jason and you just have to kind of rummage around to find these kids? Or is there any kind of hints that lead you to them? Or how does that work? Yeah, it's going to be an open world type of game. It's not going to be as in-depth as, say, you know, a GTA V or something like that. But there's going to be there's going to be a single player mode that they're going to actually add to, you know, later on this year, 
But when it first comes out, it's going to be someone's going to be Jason. The rest of the people are going to be the counselors. And obviously the idea is to, you know, stay alive. And I'm sure you've seen on the YouTube clips where you see people actually get the car running and they're able to actually leave camp and survive Jason. So either a, you get to be Jason and do the slashing or B you get to be the counselor and either try to kill Jason yourself or basically escape. So we have had the guys from the game on a couple times. You can scroll back through on our website and listen to some of the updates on on prior episodes yeah, and we and Randy Greenback, uh, yeah. both from the game. I, and, you know, to some people, these, these guys are working social media and that's all that they're using. They haven't, I mean, they're not, you know, premiered on the walking dead. They're, they're doing everything themselves through social media and Twitch. And, I feel the same way you guys do that the single player mode or the regular game, it's just kind of, it's, there's no organization, but then I thought you're going to be at the, the Pakenak lodge. If you want to be, you're going to be at Higgins Haven. So it's going, yeah. it's going to be, it's as, as immersive as, as we could ever possibly have done. And with them, with them having the software to be able to update it continuously, that's that's priceless though I, I i had my reservations at first and questions i've i've warmed up to the idea because of the simple fact that they're just doing it on the same platform at which they're advertising it and doing everything else you, you know yeah i i totally understand that man and it it it's a lot because they're there's a, an actual technicality for it you know how they they get the money to get these games going and into production. And the, still to this day, I think the greatest way to, to spread the news about something is word of mouth. And I think that they've been utilizing not only that, but the, the Facebook or social media capabilities, you know, to get this game out and going. And, you know, for like Friday the 13th fans or just horror movie fans in general, like th- this is great. You know, this has been in the works for a while now. and it's just getting my anticipation built up beyond belief with I'm sure of many, many other people. Oh, definitely. It's obviously widely anticipated. Uh, it's been trending on the internet. I don't know how many times. So it's definitely yeah. something that we're looking forward to playing, you know, real soon. I had a chance to play the beta release. I don't know if you actually did or not, but uh, I mean, it's going to be a great game. No doubt about it. And with the yeah. updating, possibilities like eric mentioned you know look at look at gta 5 that game's been out for a few years now and it's been the number one selling game solid not every single month but many 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 months it's been a number one selling game just because of the updating and the things that they've been able to add and you know obviously the online play etc you know i don't honestly anticipate the friday game to be you know, as big or as popular just because it doesn't have, it's not the same exact style of gameplay, et cetera, et cetera. But I anticipate it being, you know, extremely popular for, for definitely a while. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, and this could actually be something that opens up the doorway to something potentially even bigger and better, you know, for the, the horror genre for games and, you know, something that personally I'd like to say, I'm a fan of, uh, um, the first person style, you know, like if they were to bring in a game like that, um, that would be incredible. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, we haven't had any horror-related games that are anywhere near the caliber of what this is going to be, so I'm definitely looking forward to seeing you know, what kind of doors that might open up later. Yeah, it's all going to snowball from here, man. That's That's the best part. Absolutely, and I'm definitely looking forward to seeing what it brings. But anyways, we've chatted a little bit about Friday, and... You know, let's talk a little bit about, you know, Graveyard Cars. Obviously, you were on seasons one through four, and I was yeah. always a big fan of that show. You know, I watched it regularly. I just love the show. I mean, the, I guess, chemistry, if you want to call that, between you and Darren, you guys are my favorite characters. And I was yeah. a Mopar guy. I had a couple uh, dusters at the time that I was working on. You know, I had a, I bought one of the autographed pictures off the website, which I still have hanging in my garage. Uh, like I said, just just a big overall fan, you know. So it's it's been nice to be able to chat with you, you know, here and there about some of the stuff. So with all that in mind, you know, how has that show, you know, obviously the show is still going on and, you know, yeah. you haven't been a part of it for a little while. And it is, right. it is being, you know, filmed and everything with your, I guess, home area, if you want to call it that. So in the big picture, how has the show impacted your life, you know, from the point that it started to where we are now? Um, that's a really good question. Um, I would say, you know, I, I was kind of just handed this on a plate, you know, and my now ex-father-in-law, Mark, and creator of Graveyard Cars, just asked me one day, like, hey, man, would you like to come and work for me? And uh, sorry, I'm kind of giving you like an overview of it because so much has happened, you know, with that amount of time. I ended up spending like six, almost seven years there before the show even got picked up and rolling, you know. And I mean, it's you learn what it's like to truly sacrifice, um, you know, and a lot of bad things had to happen for something good to happen. And, you know, and I, I quit my job. I was a lot attendant at one of the local uh, car lots. And I ended up meeting Mark's daughter. And, you know, it's pretty much written from there. Um, uh, he asked me if I wanted to be a part of this. Or, I'm sorry, backtrack a little bit. Uh, he asked me if I wanted to leave my job uh, being a lot attendant and come and work for him to be a, an, a detailer, an auto detailer. And I said, yeah, sure. And he goes, you know, I'll pay you a dollar extra. Oh, of course, man. You know, I'm young at the time. This is this is going to be great. And then, you know, after that, it just kind of snowballed into he had this project going that he restored old Mopars. And, you know, the, the guy is just phenomenal. He's he's very smart and savvy when it comes to these cars. And, you know, I picked up a, a lot of information, not only from him, but the products that he had laying around, um, the books. Uh, the cars, I would go out there and dissect these things and, and learn about them. And I mean, it was anybody my age at that time, it would have been their dream. Hell, even my age right now, it would still be a dream of theirs. Um, you know, I, I do miss it. I miss the whole car aspect of it. It was incredible. Even the fans, the fans are what made the show and will always still hold a special spot in my heart. Um, you know, it's, it's something that I still think about all the time. But, you know, I'm I'm much better off now where I'm at, and I have a job that I'll retire from. It's that incredible. Um, you know, and things happen for a reason. And, you know, if I could go back, I wouldn't do anything differently. It's This is just the, the hand I got dealt, and I'm just playing my card game accordingly. 
Well, it's definitely a good thing to hear that, you know, you're doing good since, you know, things, things happened and, you know, there were some splits made. So it's nice to hear that you're in a good spot and, you know, have something good going on. And like I said, I, I just love the show. Like I said, at the time I had a bunch of cars that I was working on and it just, you know, really kind of hit home with me, you know, having a couple of Mopars out in the garage. And right. the, the one thing, <laughs> and I just always had to laugh because I knew, you know, prior to you and I, you know, getting to know each other, you know, just watching the show in general, it, it just kind of was like, man, they make Josh kind of look like the village idiot. You know, I just kind of feel bad for that guy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, and that's the funny thing about the whole editing process is, you know, it, the true magic happens off the camera. And, you know, there's a lot of things that happen off the camera that are probably best that they never make their way onto the camera, hence any kind of movie or TV show. But, you know, man, I, I learned so much, not only about Mopars from that TV show, but about myself. And it more than anything, it's helped me be not only the man that I am today, but the father, that I'm always striving to be better. And, you know, it's never take any moment in life for granted because things change daily, you know, and you just got to take the good with the bad and always be optimistic, have a, have a good approach to any kind of situation, no matter what it is or how shitty it is. You just got to keep your head up and just keep moving forward. Yeah, I definitely can commend your inspirational, you know, attitude. I mean, you're probably one of the most motivational or, or inspirational people that, you know, that I see, you know, feeds from or posts from. You, sir, are very pragmatic, and it's that's very honorable. And we're we're on this rock for a very short time. And it, it makes no sense to be miserable. In most cases, we make ourselves that way. Thank you for being one of the good humans. I, I appreciate that, sir. Well, th thank you for the compliments. You know, and I'll never say anything bad, you know, about Mark or the TV show. Um, you know, it's, it's still going on to this day right now. Um, you know, I don't watch it personally. And, you know, that's just that's just me. But. You know, there's still a lot of people out there that I'm friends with that still watch it on a daily basis and love it. And, you know, I, I give them kudos for what they're doing because bringing these cars back to life is not an easy job to do. It's not easy. And the way that Mark does it, he does it the way that it's supposed to be done. And, you know, there's not a lot of people that can do that out there. And, you know, I just I have more power to them. Yeah, I know it's definitely a big chore and it is a lot of work. And, you know, obviously people wonder why, it, why does it cost so much? Well, there's a lot of labor involved. You have parts involved. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. I mean, to put a car back together from the ground up, I've worked on a couple myself. I know what the parts alone and things like that costs. And, you know, so to chalk on their, you know, shop labor, I mean, that's where you get the prices and so on and so forth. So you're right. People really don't have any idea how difficult it really is and the amount of equipment and time that it takes. Oh yeah. You know, and I've made really good friends with a lot of people um, in the car restoration area. And, you know, these, these guys are, they're wonderful people. And there's, there's guys out there that are just willing to, to give you that knowledge, you know, but it, but it's up to you to listen. And I would never be the kind of person to go and critique somebody else's work. You know, and it, it seems to be like that in the older, the older generation of uh, car restoration owners that they would start picking apart other people's work. And 
you know, I wouldn't say that I would go that route. I would say, okay, I would have done this differently compared to the way that you did it. But I would never dog somebody else's work and say, why did you do this? It should have been like that. You know, that's one thing that I picked up from the position that I was in that I used to see constantly, and I I hated it. I hated how somebody else could dog somebody else's work. Of course, you're going to see work out there that's just a shit job, you know. And the owners, when they get these things, um, a lot of them have the money, and they don't have a lot of time really to admire what the, the real car was like. And, you know, when they get these cars back, they're they're not really capable of seeing the, the flaws in them, if you will. You know, like something that should have been done a certain way, but it was just half-assed. And, you know, these owners of these cars, they don't see that until a couple of years down the road when the, the Bondo starts cracking or, you know, the, the single-stage paint just starts peeling off and looking like shit. And, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate. And a lot of the time you get what you pay for and you just got to do your research on these these people who own the restoration shops, you know, and you just got to take it with a grain of salt. Nothing is perfect, but, you know, it's you just, yeah, you got to pay attention. Sorry, I'm kind of like repeating myself here. No, you're absolutely right. And I always commended Mark for his attention to detail. And I guess I should mention that even his attention to the lack of detail that the factory would do, you know, with factory overspray marks and things that weren't, you know, 100% correct, you know, the factory would kind of half-ass a couple things where you'd have, you know, I, I, I don't remember exactly what episodes, but I remember him pointing out, you know, that there might be factory overspray on certain things, and he would try to replicate yep. that exactly to the fullest, and I always just appreciated all of that. I mean, I, I really got to give yeah. it to him. I mean, he he does a great job with, you know, trying to make it factory correct. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and that's what separates him unlike anybody else out there. Um, you know, I'm not going to fully give just him 100% credit because it's it's even the, the team that he does have, even still currently to this time, you know, and I know a, a couple guys still talk to him every now and then that, that work for him, you know, and these guys do incredible work. And, you know, that that it shows a lot. And whenever you see somebody who has bought a car from Graveyard Cars and they drive that around, you can just see it in, in them as they're driving it, how happy they are. And that is where your hard work pays off is these, these customers when they get their cars and they're driving this thing around and you see them smiling ear to ear. That's where the true reward is. Oh, definitely. I can only imagine the looks on some of these people's faces that you've seen. And, you know, it is oh, yeah. a team effort. It's It's a team effort. And the show – the producers, the directors of the show, you know, everybody that was involved, you know, behind the scenes, obviously the people on camera too, but they just really did a good job. You know, I always just liked, I'll call it chemistry, but sometimes it might not necessarily be deemed as chemistry, but like I said, just, uh, you know, the poking that they would do at you and, you know, Darren and, you know, uh, you know, Darren just, I just really liked Darren on the show too. I mean, it was just, uh, I just thought you two were the bright side of seasons one through four. No, oh, well, thanks, man. It's, you know, I still talk to Darren almost every day. Um, he's still a dickhead. Uh, great guy, though. <laughs> nice. Great guy. And, yeah, I mean, he's he's the biggest miserable son of a bitch on the face of the planet. Yeah, he, um, 
just if he's anything like you see on the TV show, I can only imagine. Oh yeah, yeah, he's pretty much the same. Just arrogant, um, a dickhead. Uh, yeah, the list goes on. I could, I could call it out, but you know, I'll give him, I'll give him credit where credit's due. And the guy, he knows a lot about cars, not necessarily just Mopars, but a lot of cars. I always thought he seemed very knowledgeable too. I mean, you know, you know what? Maybe he just needs a hug. Maybe you just need to give him a hug, and he'll, you know, brighten up a bit. <laughs> yeah. You know, you could always do that, but he always has to take it to the next step, and that gets a little creepy sometimes. So I kind of – that's why I devised the three-foot rule with him. Um, you know, I forgot what episode that's on, but, you know, he just gets a little carried away and excited, and it's you kind of got to put him in his place. Like, hey, like, stop, bro. You're you're being weird. Nice. So let's talk about some of these episodes. I know uh, – I remember – and I don't remember the exact episode numbers on any of these, so I'm just going to throw them out there, but – Obviously, there was a couple with uh, the Phantasm Cuda for the Phantasm fans yeah. out there. And I know that you had mentioned a couple of the guys had came up and, you know, took the car out for a ride. And maybe you can tell us a little bit about how that went. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that happened in season three. Um, I'm not quite sure what episode that was. There, there was a lot of them. Uh, a. Michael Baldwin. Um, of course, that's the letter A before Michael Baldwin, um, came up to visit along with director Don Coscarelli, or producer, I'm sorry, Don Coscarelli. Um, great guys, just incredible. You know, and I, that was another horror movie that I grew up watching um, at a very young age. And my stepdad, as a matter of fact, had a 1971 340 Cuda uh, that sat in the garage for, oh, fuck, man, 10 years plus. And, I mean, still, honestly, to this day, it would still be sitting there if he wouldn't have uh, sold that car to my now ex-father-in-law, Mark, of Graveyard Cars. And all this stuff kind of happened in some kind of weird realm. Um, You know, my ex-wife, when her and I went on our first date, that was the day that my stepdad sold that 1971 340 Cuda to Mark. And, you know, whenever I went up to go visit my stepdad, uh, he told me that he sold the car to a guy who was restoring Mopars. And I had no idea that it was the girl that I took out on a date. It was her dad. So, you know, it's weird how all this stuff just kind of fit hand in hand. But, you know, I always asked and begged him, like, hey, man, can we go out and go play with the car, go work on it, do something? Well, you know, later on in life, here I am restoring the car to an actual Phantasm homage car. So it's it's not the exact same style of CUDA that was on the Phantasm movies, but it was, you know, we were paying tribute to that movie with this car. And so here I am helping restore my stepdad's old 1971 CUDA, you know, and it's, yeah, it's still crazy to think about. Yeah, definitely. I can totally understand that. Either way, it was just a kick-ass fucking car. I mean, I love the oh, yeah. episodes with that. And the guy's coming up to check it out. And I actually had seen Don last fall at a convention in Chicago and was actually able to chat with him a little bit about it. And it's just something cool to see. I mean, you don't see that shit on a regular basis. So, I mean, it was just an awesome, awesome couple episodes featuring that car. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it kind of was so much fun. You know, and Don is a great guy, just very humble. And, you know, just to see him 
and um, a Michael Baldwin get in that car and take it for a drive. That just, to me, that little kid that was inside of me just came out and was like, oh, my God, it feels like I'm watching a Phantasm movie right now. Like, this is fucking awesome. Absolutely. And speaking of some of the other episodes, I believe you had one where Bill Goldberg was on. I remember seeing some, I remember watching that episode. And like I said, I don't remember the, the numbers of that one, but I know there's some pictures floating around of Bill in the shop. Yeah. Um, yeah oh, yeah. Yeah, one day, um, God, I think it was the day before Bill actually got there, uh, Mark came up and said, oh, hey, by the way, um, pro professional wrestler William Goldberg will be coming here. And, like, I literally just stopped. Like, all train of thought in my head, everything just stopped. And Mark's, like, looking at me, just snapping his fingers, like, you all right, man? Like, Do you understand that I'm a huge wrestling fan and was a huge wrestling fan as a child? you know, back when he was still doing it and whatnot. And, yeah, it was it was hard to believe that Mr. William Scott Goldberg came down to see us and actually had his car there for us to restore. Um, you know, and once again, that guy, just an incredible human, so humble and, and caring and full of knowledge even about not only Mopars but all the other muscle cars out there. And, you know, he's he has a huge love for cars huge huge collection too awesome it's always it's always good to see people like him you know showing their collections and their knowledge you know of the muscle car industry so that's that's always great to hear yeah well all right i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up i'd like to you know thank you josh for taking the time to join us and chat a little bit about you know friday the 13th and you know talk about our favorite slasher jason and of course you know talking a little bit about graveyard cars and you know everything that went along with that so uh, big thanks to you for taking the time to join us well thank you guys so much for having me and you know if you guys ever feel like having me on again i would be honored you guys are awesome well we definitely appreciate that and you never know we might just have you on again that sounds good to me buddy and uh yeah if anything new pops up in the friday the 13th realm let me know definitely definitely will do that yeah, definitely. Thanks for being on the show, man. It was great talking to you. Yeah, you too, guys. Thank you so much. Well, all right. That wraps up another episode of Return to Camp Blood. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever the hell you listen to the show at. This episode is brought to you by FridayThe13thFranchise.com. If you would like to contact us, we can be reached at feedback at CampBloodPodcast.com, or you can hit us up on our Facebook page. I'd also like to give a shout-out to the Downriver Rat for our intro and outro music. Until next time.